0: This version of the RoomNow podcast is dedicated to highlights from ULAR 2022. Herein, you will hear reports and perspectives from the RoomNow faculty and key opinion leaders in rheumatology. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Jack Cush. I'm here at ULAR 2022. The meeting just started. A lot of interesting data. Again, a lot still about the oral surveillance study. We covered a lot at ACR 2021 where the study of tofacitinib in lower high dose was compared to TNF inhibitors in high-risk individuals, showing an increased risk of cardiovascular events, of certain malignancies, including lung cancer and uh, lymphoma, and a higher risk of venous thromboembolic events. Uh, at this meeting, there are new analyses and sub-analyses that I think try to explain those findings and why they had previously never been seen. Again, I want to remind the audience that there's two issues at hand. One is, was tofacitinib worse than TNF inhibitors? Then you could indict the JAK inhibitors as being the cause of these events. Or was it really that the TNF inhibitors were in fact better at lowering risk than the JAK inhibitors? And that's really not the JAK inhibitor fault. It's just that they weren't as good as the TNF inhibitors they were compared to. I think the second issue in play here was going to be the number of people that actually are affected. These data don't really apply to all of our patients. They were studied in people over 50 who had cardiovascular risk factors, and they were looking for serious adverse events like cardiovascular and cancer. Um, so the data really applies to people over age 65 with a prior MI and a history of smoking. And that was for cardiovascular and cancer risk. Not so much for VTEs, PEs, and DVTs, where that was, seems to be an inflammation age-related event. Anyway, at this meeting, what we saw were analyses that showed a few things. First, that you could explain the increase in MACE events and cancer risk just based on the history of did you have a prior uh, uh, MI, meaning prior uh, cardio, uh, coronary or um disease events. Second, did you have a high risk for cardiovascular events that you could calculate, a greater than 20% risk? In, if the, both those were positive, now you have a statistically higher risk of MACE and of cancer. But again, it only applies to those two situations, meaning prior MI uh, and high cardiovascular risk. If it was lower, it wasn't so high. If it was MACE, it was clearly higher than if you were on a TNF inhibitor, right? Uh, If it was the, uh, and that's that you would probably expect. The cancer was probably not... Um, different, meaning that if you had, uh, um, if you were on a CNF inhibitor or a JAK, and you had those risk factors, it was going to be an increased risk of of cancer events as well. Now, when you try to explain this on the basis of disease activity, everything falls apart. In the analysis that was done and presented, um, it showed that disease activity, um, low disease activity, moderate or high disease activity, compared to remission wasn't any different as far as these risks of of mace and cancer. But as has been shown before, disease activity clearly increased the risk of, you guessed it, venous thromboembolic events. That was a big risk factor. So we see a few things here. We see that Bad things happen as far as mace and cancer, and why those two are related is really unclear. It may have something to do with they share risk factors and dietary and environmental causes. Maybe that's why they often run together. But they behave differently in these studies than did the venous thromboembolic events. And another abstract at this meeting again confirmed that the risk of having VTEs was having a prior VTE. Um, Also, strangely enough, um, antidepressant use, uh, uh, obesity, and steroid use. Those have been reported in the past. Um, And for some reason, PPIs were protective. So VTEs behave one way, and cancer and MACE events behave another way. And it boils down to three questions. And I get this from my friend John Giles, who sort of summarized this by saying, ask your patients, one, do you have a prior MI? Two are you at high cardiovascular risk three, and have you had a prior PE or DVT? And if the answer to any of those is true, well, then maybe you want to consider something other than a JAK inhibitor. More on this here at ULR 2022.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Janet Pope. I'm here at ULAR #2022 t- at room now. I'm at Janet Bird Pope Birdo. Um, I'd like to talk about a sub study of the oral surveillance. So this was um, Poster 0237 and presented by Dr. Maya Boot. What it tells us is that the patients who have the cardiovascular risk and oral surveillance are people who have had cardiovascular events before. That's no surprise. But what they did in this study was they looked at high risk, intermediate, and low risk. And the confidence intervals are always going to overlap because it wasn't as statistically different. It was numerically different with the wider confidence interval, the overall data. But I think what it's telling us are three things. Number one, we have to cardiovascularly risk profile our patients. Number two, all risk factors are not the same. So having had a coronary event before is the highest risk. And number three, a lot of these are treatable. Our patients can have smoking cessation, treatment of diabetes, lipids, trying to improve the BMI with exercise, um, and all those things. And I think smoking cessation is important because it's something that also affects your RA. So at this point in time, we're understanding and unraveling who is at highest risk of coronary events in the oral surveillance study. Follow us and keep watching.
2: Hello, this is Jonathan Kay reporting virtually from Massachusetts on day three of ULAR 2022, which is being held in Copenhagen. There have been many very interesting abstract and other scientific sessions over the past three days, which have addressed the spectrum of rheumatology. At the abstract session on treatment of rheumatoid arthritis this morning, there were several presentations regarding safety of JAK inhibitors. Following publication of the oral surveillance trial earlier this year in the New England Journal of Medicine, There has been great interest in the risk of major adverse cardiovascular events and thromboembolic events among patients with rheumatoid arthritis treated with targeted synthetic and biologic DMARDs. In that trial, incidence rates for major adverse cardiovascular events were higher for rheumatoid arthritis patients older than 50 years who were treated with tofacitinib than for those treated with TNF inhibitors. In abstract OP0266, Axel Fink of Geneva University Hospital in Switzerland presented safety data on JAK inhibitors from an international collaboration of 16 national rheumatoid arthritis patient registries. The JAKPOT study was designed to assess real world safety of JAK inhibitors compared to other biologic agents in rheumatoid arthritis patients by evaluating treatment discontinuation for adverse events. This study enrolled nearly 44,000 rheumatoid arthritis patients about 25,000 of whom were treated with TNF inhibitors, about 9,000 with JAK inhibitors, and the remainder with other biologic agents. Patients treated with rituximab were not included because of the difficulty in ascertaining the precise time of rituximab treatment discontinuation. Baseline characteristics of the three groups were reasonably well-matched, except that half of the TNF inhibitor-treated patients had not previously received a biologic or targeted synthetic DMARD, whereas only one quarter of the patients treated with either a JAK inhibitor or a non-TNF inhibitor biologic had previously been treated with a biologic or targeted synthetic DMARD. Over two years, the cumulative incidence of treatment discontinuation because of an adverse event was comparable for JAK inhibitors and TNF inhibitors, but was higher for biologic agents with other mechanisms of action. When a subgroup analysis was performed to simulate the oral surveillance trial, including the over 15,500 rheumatoid arthritis patients who were older than 50 years and had at least one risk factor for cardiovascular disease, the findings regarding treatment discontinuation for adverse events were unchanged. In contrast to the oral surveillance trial, in which the co-primary endpoints were the occurrence of a major adverse cardiovascular event and that of a malignancy, This very large multinational real world study assessed safety by evaluating treatment discontinuation for any adverse event. It will be interesting to learn whether there's any difference in the jackpot study subgroup between JAK inhibitors and TNF inhibitors or other biologic agents in the rate of major adverse cardiovascular events or of malignancies as was observed in the oral surveillance trial. In abstract OP0258, Adeline riesen Witrand of Toulouse University Hospital in France presented data assessing real-world safety of JAK inhibitors and TNF inhibitors in rheumatoid arthritis patients by comparing safety reporting of major cardiovascular and thromboembolic events in the World Health Organization Global Individual Case Safety Report Database, (VigiBase) between 2011 and 2022. Over these 12 years, Both physicians and non-physicians filed over 290,000 reports about adverse events occurring in rheumatoid arthritis patients who had been treated with either a JAK inhibitor or a TNF inhibitor. Over 4,000 of these reported a major cardiovascular adverse event, and over 1,400 reported a venous thromboembolic event. Use of JAK inhibitors was significantly associated with an increased risk of venous thromboembolic event reporting compared to that with use of TNF inhibitors. Although there was no overall increase in the risk of major adverse cardiovascular event reporting, the risk of major adverse cardiovascular event reporting by physicians, and specifically that of myocardial infarctions, was significantly associated with use of JAK inhibitors compared to that of TNF inhibitors. Based upon the findings of the oral surveillance trial, the FDA issued an alert in 2021 about the risk of major adverse cardiovascular events and of venous thromboembolic events with JAK inhibitors. When the odds ratios of physician reporting to Vigibase of major adverse cardiovascular and venous thromboembolic events were analyzed by year, significant associations for both adverse events with JAK inhibitor use were detected in 2020, the year before this FDA alert was issued. Thus, analysis of spontaneous reports to Vigibase, especially those made by physicians, was able to detect early safety signals about these adverse events. This study suggests the potential validity of using this very large international spontaneous reporting database to identify new drug safety issues. It would be ideal to have a biomarker that could be used to determine whether a rheumatoid arthritis patient could be treated with a JAK inhibitor and not be at risk for a cardiovascular adverse event. In abstract OP0269, Zoltan Sekinich of the University of Debrecen in Hungary presented Pfizer's post-hoc analysis of the oral surveillance trial in which they searched for biomarkers to predict the risk of venous thromboembolism in rheumatoid arthritis patients receiving treatment with either tofacitinib or a TNF inhibitor. 294 biomarkers were assessed, of which 79 were pre-selected based on their known role in inflammation, coagulation, vascular biology, or JAK signaling. Each was quantified in serum or plasma that had been collected at baseline and at month 12 from 59 subjects who had experienced venous thromboembolic events during the trial, and from over 3,600 age, sex, and treatment-matched controls. Unfortunately, this post-hoc exploratory analysis did not identify any biomarker that correlated with the increased risk of venous thromboembolism observed with tofacitinib compared to TNF inhibitors in the oral surveillance trial. The small number of events and blood sampling restricted to only two time points may have limited the ability to identify a predictive biomarker. Thus, clinical assessment of venous thromboembolic risk must be used when deciding whether to initiate tofacitinib or another JAK inhibitor in a patient with rheumatoid arthritis. I have reviewed three abstracts, each of which addressed cardiovascular safety of JAK inhibitors in patients with rheumatoid arthritis using different approaches. This very important topic warrants further study to elucidate the mechanism by which cardiovascular adverse events may occur with drug treatment of rheumatoid arthritis. I look forward to more presentations about this and other topics. For more information about these and other presentations at ULR 2022, go to roomnow.com. I'm Jonathan Kay. I'll see you again tomorrow.
3: Hi, David Liu here, post-ULR 2022, um, finished a couple of hours ago, just want to talk a little bit about something that came up actually in what uh, was alluded to in the clinical uh, highlights wrap at the end of the meeting, but actually it relates to two things that happened earlier in the conference. So really, this is about oral surveillance. Now, I don't think I need to introduce oral surveillance as a study to anyone. Um, I think we all know there's been a lot said about this since last ACR has been the fallout of it. I think it's probably changed each and every one of our practices in some way, shape or form to a greater or lesser extent. Well, I think it's inevitable that uh, there'd be some talk about this at this meeting. So data um, that was um, brought by Pfizer to this meeting um, that Maxime Dugadas uh, presented uh, on, I think it might've been on Thursday, Uh, was a 0P0264 actually looked at the um, data from the tofacitinib registration trials all the way, so from phase one to 3B4 and the long-term extensions from that and looked at the patients and they slip in with a more enriched cardiovascular risk and saw how they compared um, uh, firstly to those who didn't and then also to the oral surveillance cohort. And in fact, uh, we saw there that the signal perhaps wasn't quite as strong as it was in oral surveillance, but the risk or the outcomes in terms of MACE and VTE uh, certainly were there. And so I think in many ways, uh, while I think we were all surprised and shocked today at ACR, uh, maybe the clues were there. And, of course, this has been... The second thing I wanted to mention is that in amongst the new um, EULAR recommendations on how uh, on RA therapy, of course, this has to reflect. In amongst many other things that have been reflected, uh, the... The, the recommendation before, which recommended BDMARDS and TSDMARDS with an equal hand in the same sentence, one and the other, as choices, now really ends at BDMARDS and in fact uh, says, or well, could also be considered TSDMARDS, but considering the risk profile. And I think that's a substantial change, not an unsurprising change. But that probably reflects maybe how we're broadly thinking, but I think what we can expect guidelines and recommendations on how to treat rheumatoid arthritis to reflect in the very near future, whether we think it's right or not, whether we like it or not. So for more on all the fallout from this meeting, and it's been quite
2: the meeting, been great to be back in person, head on down to roomnow.com.